Hello and welcome to the Edge of the Box Football Podcast, a show where we aim to challenge football convention with thought-provoking and outside-of-the-box points of view. Today we're talking about the proposed Europa Conference League, which will be UEFA's third-tier European knockout competition to sit neatly beneath the Champions League and the Europa League. Is it a good idea? Will it help bridge the gap between the biggest and smallest clubs in Europe? Or is it just another way for the rich to keep the poor out of their fancy clubhouses? We'll find out. I'm your host, Harry Brent. So after watching Tottenham in the Europa League and Lol. young Dane Scarlett making his Scarlet. debut. Scarlett. After watching Tottenham in the Europa League and seeing young Dane Scarlett make his debut... I wanted to know if you guys could name the youngest Premier League debutant for the top six. Just, just before we start this, I legitimately thought you, you, when you said like, young Dane Starlet, I thought this was just some young like Dane, <laughs> yeah. Danish guy. That <laughs> I, like, I was like, <clears throat> are you going to tell us who it is? Wonder Kid. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure Martin Odegaard plays first. Oh no, it's Norwegian. Oh, I was a bit like, and, yeah, Andreas Andreas Christensen plays for Chelsea. Like, there's no Christian Eriksen. watching this young book. <laughs> Christian Eriksen's younger cousin. Um, so sorry, what was the question? So the question is, can you name the youngest Premier League debutants for each of the the big six? But each one. Yeah. Oh, so I'm going to say top. some of them are pre to the turn of the century. So. so Okay, Arsenal, I want to say, is Fabregas. Wait, 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 wait. Are Arsenal in the top six? Yeah, that's, that's why I said big six. What, what is the top six? <clears throat> the big six, rather than... Is Leicester in the top six, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> so not Fabregas. So not Fabregas. Um, right, so I'm going to say Tottenham's is Dan Scarlett. No, because he was a <laughs> league debutant. Yeah, no, he's, he's had a... Yeah, but he's, he's um, <clears throat> come on as a sub in the Premier League. That he wasn't on there, but you can have that. There's another player, but uh, and, uh, is Tottenham's Anthony Gardner? It isn't, no. Is it uh, Ledley Alf, Alfie, Alfie Devine? Alf. So Tottenham's one is one that's pre 2000. Ah, oh, so Tottenham's and Chelsea's are pre 2000. Oh, god, Chelsea's Jody Morris. Hey, well done, yeah. Extra um, points if you name the year. God, um, 1998. Oh, 96. Close. But no cigar. Um, <clears throat> so that's Chelsea done. So Tottenham is... He was a oh. right back. Oh. Uh, <laughs> is it, you, you do know him. He's Irish. Stephen, I was going to say Stephen Carr, but I, did, I thought... Yeah. I, I was like, did he start at Tottenham? Yeah, Surely he didn't start at Tottenham if he's Irish. Yeah, he was 93. <laughs> okay, Arsenal's is... So Arsenal's is pretty obvious. If it's not Fabregas, who else is it going to be? Um, Van Persie. Uh, oh, Wilshire. Yeah, Jack Wilshire. Wilshire. I want to say City's at Fulham, is it? No. No, it's not. City's will be... Um, well, Mika Richards. Yep. Well yeah. Done. That's Micah. Uh, <laughs> They've got three, so you've got two more. So United and Liverpool. <clears throat> so Liverpool is one of the recent ones, isn't it? Like the year, year, what are they called? Uh, oh, I think I might know this no. one. No, uh, Harvey <laughs> Elliott. He said. Harvey. Well, he said no. Uh, no, I don't, because this might have been quite old. But I think Harvey Elliott would be up there. But the one I got was in 2010, and he was a fullback. Oh God, Flanagan. No, but oh, I think that, yeah, similar, that sort similar of vibe. Yeah, I'll be at left back. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I can see him. <laughs> His surname is a, a, a juice or a, a cordial. Or a squash. Oh, yeah, Robinson. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, can, yes. I can't remember his first name. Um, Jack Robinson. Jack Robinson. 2010. And then the last one is United. <clears throat> um, is this recent? Welbeck. Five, five years. So five years ago. He's no longer with them. Um, oh. He's on the loan. Oh, gosh. Um, is it like Chong or someone? No, his cousin is Nanny. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, same. Gomez. Yeah, Angel Gomez. Angel yeah. Gomez. 
as well. Yeah, I think that's probably an old one. So a few of the ones that you mentioned probably have broken that. But so who, who? Oh, Tottenham Stephen Carr. I was a little to no help with that. To be fair, Harry. Charlie, you did brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting to note that all of those guys, possibly with the exception of Wilshire, didn't really live up to their potential like at all. And I mean, I, I guess well, Stephen Carr. I don't, I don't know what his potential was in '93, but huh? I don't think Wilshire did either, did it? No, no. But my point was like all of them. I think you could argue were like, you know, just didn't turn. I mean, again, I, I don't particularly rank Stephen Carr in this because I don't. I wasn't around in '93 to know what the hype around Stephen yeah. Carr was, but for all those guys it was like wow you know when you're in the team of that age it's like they're going to be sick and and for for a bit Wilshire was like wow really good for a few yeah. years and then obviously injuries hit him oh did you guys see um PSG's Leonardo um criticizing the Premier League in Germany for um, like pillaging all of PSG's youngsters <laughs> Well, that's revenge for what PSG <laughs> do in, in, in Football Manager, in my opinion. <laughs> and he was like, but then he was like, well, it's on the one hand, it's annoying, but then on the other, we can't really give them an avenue if we're buying all these world-class players. Yeah. So, the thing oh, well, is, yeah, if, if you're going to spend, like, what, you, what was it, 180 million on Neymar, Right. And you're going to pay his wages and you're going to give him back pay this new contract, well, you're, you're going to need to get rid of some players. And they're going to be like the ones that people want that are nice and young. You're not going to be able to palm <laughs> off like well, 32-year-old Thiago Silvers every yeah, season. I hope, I hope Potch changes that because they do have some incredible talent. I mean, like Kingsley Coman, there's this Kwasi <laughs> centre-back. Um, there's another um, DRB from um, Leverkusen. So they've got incredibly good players that hopefully Potch will now like sort of blood into the first team. Thank God we haven't got Josh here because he'd be slagging him off. But like, I think it's a problem with the league, isn't it? Like, if, if the league was just a bit more competitive and not just that, but just a bit more strong, then then I guess they, you know, there'd be more reason to stay. But you can, you know, unless you're in the French team, it, you know, you, it just makes sense to get because, like, I, I I guess the pull with bigger leagues is even if you don't make it, teams like Chelsea, Arsenal, even if you get because you'll probably get domestic loans. And then that will get you exposure in that division. So you can probably, you know, go on from there. So, you know, they're just weakened by the position of the league, I think. Do you think it's, as a young player, like say you were coming through an academy, like say it was one of the the big six, top six, whatever you want to call them, do you think it's better to almost drop out of that academy to maybe then get top flight to get more football in like a, League One championship team to then potentially be bought by one of those clubs in the future? Or do you think it's better to just come through the academy? I don't know. I I, I often think about this, like, Mm. because, I mean, until very recently, Chelsea was so good at having unbelievably talented footballers in their academy, just completely wasting them and, and either by loaning them out and never doing anything with them or the opposite, just keeping them in the academy and then they're just not going anywhere. Um. I don't know because on the one hand you, you want you you feel like you want people always say you know they they need to just get football under their belt blah blah blah, um, <clears throat> but at the same time is the coaching that you get at a League Two club or a League One club mm-hmm. nearly as good as the coaching you get at, you know Chelsea or Arsenal or Tottenham Youth Academy? Definitely not. Mm-hmm. And then I think Guardiola's nicely demonstrated, you know, he was always very keen on defending his decision not to just throw Phil Foden into the team because he's got talent. He was yeah, like, I think that's, that's, that's paid off as well, to be honest with you. Yeah, and, and I don't necessarily think that's a one-size-fits-all. Like, there'll be some players that do need to just, you know, can just adapt. But I don't I don't know. I don't know what the right thing is. Like, yeah. um, Declan it, Rice. Looking yeah. at Declan Rice and Mason Mount, who were like best friends in the Chelsea Academy, they've both made it in the mm. top flight. And Declan Rice might get, and he came obviously came out of Chelsea Academy, left, went to West Ham. He's now in the England squad. Mm. And Mason Mount is the same, but he's, he's worth over 100 million pounds. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right, has it's, it's a tough one. What <clears throat> may be the case for some people, may not be for, for another. I was, yeah, I don't think there's really that any black blanket kind of statement or, or, or that practice that you could put over them. Right, one size fits all. It'd be dependent upon every player. But um, 
Yeah, so, I, I definitely, I definitely think a good coach in the like a good coach at their like home team or the the club that's grown them like would be able to spot what is best for what player. And mm. you'd, you'd like to hope that <clears throat> they have the player's best interest at heart. With, with, in terms of their growth and what will be best for them. Mm. Like Guardiola's done with Phil Foden. I, I sort of, I, half the time I, I think, it, <clears throat> as I say, it, it will depend on each player, but also I think half the time, sadly, it just depends on luck with all of these things. I was reading an interview with um, Josh McEachran, is that McEachran? McEachran has just signed for MK Dons, I think. Uh, and I can't remember where he was before that. He was at Brentford and then he went somewhere else and he had a bit of an injury problem and then he saw, he's just signed like a kind of deal out of the blue with MK Dons and they did an interview and it was just he, he was sort of talking about how you know he obviously had the world at his feet in 2010 11 or whenever it was and, and uh, under Ancelotti and then um you know he he was training with the Chelsea first team every every day and then obviously Ancelotti got sacked and um and it was just a kind of change obviously this was sort of talked about at the time but the change of managers completely set him back and suddenly it kind of felt like okay staying in this I could have just stayed in the squad and that would have been perfect for my development but now that the manager's gone I, I can't just do that because this manager doesn't know who I am doesn't trust me so he went out on loan played some good football and then a couple of managers later, we get Mourinho in, and Mourinho doesn't doesn't like that sort of midfielder. So he just sort of felt like, right, that's it. I have to go. I have to leave. And I always wonder, like, who who knows with with that? Like, maybe if Ancelotti had stayed, would that have been all the difference that you'd need for um, <clears throat> for McEachern to still be in the team, or yeah. or is I it mean, just that he wasn't good enough? Or it's so hard to know. To try, try, I tried to steer away from cliches as much as possible, but I think that you know. Form is temporary classes. <laughs> yeah, there was there was always one. So if he is if he is good enough to where he would have shone under Ancelotti, sure he'd that'd still be there. But yeah. he's, obviously he's not getting the same. I mean, I, I think I think largely you're probably right. But like I know that you you guys take the piss at me for this, and I know it's sort of somewhat in jest now. But I, I'm still convinced that Ruben Loftus Cheek has every everything in a footballer that for example mason mount does i don't see a thing that mason mount does aside from possibly the kind of small intricacies when he's on the ball but loftus cheek has so much ability that mason mount doesn't have and it doesn't make any sense to me that mount has just completely yeah world at his feet gonna be england and chelsea captain and loftus cheek can't get in fulham's team that makes no sense to me because I, there's nothing that I can see that that, that convinces think, me that I one is better than the other. Loftus cheeks, he just seems very nice, almost mm. too nice. He's like he's like the BFG. You're right, has he has all the talent in the world. He has the physique. He's like he's like Patrick Vieira. He should be and Yaya Torre should be dominating teams and plays with his height. But he, he doesn't. It's like he doesn't want it. He's like <laughs> he's like. Oh, like quite content to. Oh, I'll be playing. Yeah, it's almost there. like he shies away. I find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Seems like someone who's very within himself. Possibly, but the the one thing I the one thing I noted from the McEachern interview was that he mm. he he said obviously when he was growing up and getting in the team he was all the world at his feet and he said like my confidence was just constantly high. I was just like I'm sick. I can do anything. Yeah. And then he said when he he uh, remember he said something like when I went down to play with the youth team occasionally. I would put pressure on myself to be the best player because I'm the guy who's training with the first team. So I should be the best player. And when I'm not playing and I often wonder with people like Loftus-Cheek, is, is it a kind of mental thing where he's, he's sort of just completely lost his confidence? Cause I know that non Chelsea fans don't remember, it, but take, you know, and this, this wasn't, I'm not saying this because I'm a Loftus-Cheek fan. I became a Loftus-Cheek fan because of the following statement. He was the second best player behind Eden Hazard in Sarri's season for us. Second most important player in terms of going forward. 100%. Like when, when uh, he, was, he was in the team fairly regularly and then he got injured for a year. Mm. And if he'd been fit for that Lampard year where all the youth team players played and the, the squad was thin, so they were all coming in, could it have been different? Would his confidence have been super high? Now he, he'd have <clears throat> spent that year on the sidelines, come back, not in the team, 
So maybe the confidence is shot and, you know, go down to Fulham. Scott Parker doesn't really know who he is, doesn't really trust him. And then suddenly, I just remember thinking with McEachran, yeah, like how can McEachran not, not think that he's a really good footballer? But I guess it can happen, you know. And maybe maybe that was it. Maybe that's all it is. Like he has all this ability, but just the the, the confidence isn't there. Um, he's yet to see how Tuchel sees him as well. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if he's yeah. if he's got his head screwed on right, he'll be going back there with something to prove. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's it's good at times getting out of that bubble and comfort zone of yeah, I've been at Chelsea since I was nine. You you sort of become a bit too comfortable. While I think that we've lost his cheek going to Fulham. And Scott Parker being Scott Parker being like, who are you? That could almost like reinvigorate and be like, you know what? I have to prove myself again in that challenge. Mm. But um, yeah, Loftus Lof- Cheek's always been one that's just been baffling to me. Right, he does have all the ability as the physique. He should be bullying plays, but he he doesn't. It's like he doesn't use all of his tools in the right way at the right time. And his decision making isn't mm. he dribbles when he should pass and passes when he should like. He's, he's always like just one thing off. But I think another interesting, another recent sort of fad in football is um, foreign players. So Germany um, buying youngsters. So obviously the best example is um, Jadon Sancho. Mm. Do you think that's an avenue that, let's say, if you guys were still 17, 18, do you think you guys would have the the confidence to be able to move from England to Germany and a new culture, new language, Jadon Sancho? He's booked the trend as yeah, well. Yeah, he's, he's definitely setting that trend. He, he's shown that, like, you know, he's had that confidence to do that from a massive team to another massive team, given. But mm. he's had that confidence to move that, to move to a different country. So it's like, he's, he's it's almost inspiring young English players who may not get a chance in the Premier League to go, oh, well, maybe I can go abroad to a top league, to a top club and perform there. Did, um, and be worth £125 million to Manchester United. <laughs> did Reese Oxford go permanently to Germany? Or did he go on loan? I think it was uh, Asperg or somebody. It was, was it Gladbach? Or, Glad- or somebody. I can't remember exactly who. But Oh, did he? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I can't remember if he went on loan to one club, came back and then was sold to another German club. Or if he... Yeah, that's a good question. Because I know Reese Nelson did the same. <laughs> went to Hoffenheim. Mm. Um, at what at what age or what point do you think um, playing time is more important than coaching? De- definitely, as they've reached like their probably their peak condition and when they're still growing hmm. inside right. their body. So what, around what age would you? If 18, you 18, 18, 18, yeah. Because yeah. you're right. You, unless you're truly yeah, a megastar, you don't you don't really need <laughs> yeah. to be in the team at 17, do you? Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it just comes down to what Ash says. Like, if, if the if the player is has got enough ability and mental strength, um, you know, chances are he's probably gonna he's probably gonna succeed wherever he goes. But I'd like, yeah, I'd like to see more more youngsters just take the plunge and go, you know, mm. go abroad. And because I know Ryan Ryan Sessegnon's going out there on yeah, yeah. he's doing quite well there. <clears throat> There's there's a lot of loans, like a lot of like you know teams. Well, I say teams are feeder clubs. Chelsea have a feeder club, yeah, test, yeah, but a lot of like if you see a few foreign loans, but I never feel like you always you've always got the safety net of well I'm going back. You know if it doesn't work out, I'm going mm. back to my parent club. I wonder whether there probably is a big difference of actually no, I'm I'm leaving and I'm going yeah. to a different country and who don't yeah. no one knows me there. I've got to learn the language. Um. The uh, Musiala, is that his name? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's English, killing was it. Was he English born, Germany born? He's lived there quite a while. I think he was Germany born, but English ra- uh, raised or something like that. Yeah. Right, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe that's not as big of a, a step for him as he it may otherwise be for a, a, you know, obviously an English born, English raised player, because uh, he's probably been in and around Germany all of his life with his family. Mm. But yeah, that's that's another one, isn't it? I mean, yeah, Bayern Munich. He it? looks incredible as well. <laughs> so you wait for a set to change up the way that European competitions are their European competitions are played. Um, this is with a few changes to the Champions League, a few changes to the Europa League, but the big one is the addition of a third tier of Europe UEFA European competition in the Europa Conference League. Okay. So this would take 
48 teams in the Europa League, mm-hmm. and it would take that down to, I think, 32 in the... Makes sense. 32, yeah. yeah it was and, in the Europa League. And then the, the, the it would take those, take those, put them in the Conference League, and then through other... Take the, I imagine the bottom. It's the lowest seeded. Sort of, yeah, yeah. yeah, the lowest seeded ones. <clears throat> and, but they've not actually released how so the, the qualification to the Conference League is about. So would, um, they, would they get? Would it be thirty-two as well? So would they get another sixteen? Yeah. So it'd be it'd be thirty-two, thirty-two, thirty-two. Okay. Yeah, that makes That's sense. All. So they all have the same kind of like they're they're all going into the same rounds at the same time. Yeah, they have the same amount uh, of matches. Yeah. So it's like as 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 the third tier teams in the Champions League drop down to the Europa League, mm. the fourth tier teams would drop straight into the Conference League, and it's it's basically just like a. Like a lesser Europa League, you could say. Um, it's so I, I thought it'd be good. it with the word conference is just like, especially in yeah, England, it just sounds like, yeah, it's just conf, bloody conference, isn't it? <laughs> conference South, Europa League, Conference South. What's yeah, um, that's called the Vanarama National League. Vanarama, you're right. Sorry. Um, I, I only just, right, this is going to make me sound like such a, this is going to show my age completely, but I only realized that it wasn't called the Premiership for that long. Now that might sound a bit weird to you guys, but I, like so in my in my head, like because I, I only moved back to England in in two thousand three, so that's really when I was able to start watching football. It's when um, uh, he, he joined a German football team and it didn't really pay off. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just um, I started, and uh, I just in my head it was always the Premiership, 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 and then it became the Premier League, and I realised it was the FA Premier League before it was a Premiership. It was only a Premiership for a couple of years. Anyway, that's just completely doesn't matter. Um, so this 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 European Conference League, it's is this this is a proposal or or this is a, this is what's this coming? is going ahead. This will this occur next okay. season. Okay. So I just wanted to, to to discuss this on the pod and just kind of get what you guys think about it. Um, well, it, the way that you said it, with with the kind of um, what do you call it, like like uh, making everything the same amount of games and the thirty two teams and and what's the word? The word I'm thinking of that's escaping me. Um, just you know, shaving it off into nice little little segments. That that sort of feels satisfying in a way because I think the the Europa League is too long, too many games. Yeah, I'm sure we've played like a million games in the Europa League this season. And, and I think it, it sort of almost, um, you know, serves to, to to lessen the prestige of the tournament because maybe not for no, not for all teams, but like I remember whenever Chelsea were, were in the Europa League, it was just like, oh blimey, it's another Europa League game. We'll just play all the reserves and then we'll get we'll get through it. Whereas I guess if you reduce the amount of games you've got, it makes it feel a bit more important and stuff. I think it also um, creates competition from like. Good. Well, in the Premier League, from like what the top seven, top eight down, because mm. if they know that if you're getting European football, no matter what, even though it's very, yeah. uh, it's it's not necessarily going to be like that. I think the the emphasis is more on the lower seeded European countries yeah. or the countries that only have like one European players, and that's like, like a, a group stage for like an Europa League, and you have to qualify for that, after, you know, qualifying rounds before that, or Champions League qualifying rounds before that. So I, I don't think they'll be dished out on basis of, oh, well, you know, your top five league, you get such and such, you get like two Conference League places. It might well be, but uh, they're, they're, they're gearing more towards like, like lower kind of seed Euro- Europa League overflow, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> that if they don't i think they're missing a trick because i think that creates more competition because that means i I agree with that if because if you're you obviously know what top top seven are in europa league champions league and then you get the eighth ninth tenth maybe position Mm. to qualify for the europa conference league i think that you that those top ten are gonna be so 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 much more interesting because people can be fighting for football and that obviously means more money. So it just makes it even more competitive. Yeah, but I mean if you look at it from like a business a businessy standpoint. <laughs> you look, look at it from a sort of financial perspective. Yeah. <laughs> a financial so, perspective. Yeah. Take take like um I don't know, Slovakia or Bulgaria, where their teams will get to maybe well, a group stage of a Euro- Europa League, if if that, if they're lucky. So this will 
retain the viewership of the the fans of those clubs going into it because it'll yeah. be televised obviously not, not it'll retain the viewership of those teams that will be knocked out of the Europa League every season uh, or I still think you could still offer you could allot two positions to the Premier League and the top yeah and then because you can still have those I get it you want he's almost trying to give a platform to the divisions and leagues where there probably isn't that much exposure if it isn't for a European league and you give them almost a, a fighting chance to be successful in a European competition. So I completely agree with that. But I don't know, I think you can still allot it to, to some of the, the top five leagues just to keep that competition there and so they can earn all money because they know that if the top 10 Premier League teams in the Europa Conference League, that's going to make it so that you get a lot of people watching it because a lot of people love the Premier League and that's going to create exposure yeah. for those smaller smaller leagues. But that's mm. the that's the the other thing is that the, the big leagues don't really care for it. Mm. Not, not not as in they're against yeah, they, it. They just they just don't see it producing I think that much for them. The but imagine if you got like a I don't know like a, an Aston Villa or a Burnley or Southampton in that I'm sure they'll care they want European football they want to win yeah it. yeah the teams and the teams will but the league in in general so because of the uh the reshuffling of how the, the the Champions League is being done as well which is all up in up in the air at the moment that the, the the bigger leagues across Europe so the top five leagues are all arguing that they want more Champions League spots do you think necessary or do you think it's just another like with everything? Money it's, it's just one of them where they're, they're set to take place. Like you, you know, when they set up the competition, they set it up in like four or five year intervals, mm. and every four or five years they go back. They look at it. They're like, oh well, maybe this could be done better, or this could be done better. And everyone has their say, but everyone is in it for themselves. Right, like, yeah, give us big, give us a fifth Champions big, League spot. Yeah, it's fine. The big guys are have, have this. Do, yeah. do you guys yeah, think, like, think that? Um, the lower teams who may or may not be able, you know, if let's say they, they expanded the qualification process, particularly for, let's just say for England, for example, if you had like, I don't know, eighth, ninth and 10th able to qualify. Like we often see that when these sorts of no disrespect, lowlier teams um, qualifying for Europe, it really screws up the domestic season because they're sort of, do, do you, uh, would that be a problem maybe if you while I agree with you Dave it's like it's a really good thing for them to aim for and like exciting for teams who finish ninth to be able to go on to Europe particularly with the dominance of the big six and as we talked about last week um and the, like it, the sort of the fact that that seems unbreakable now um but would it not create a big issue where like because a, a lot of a lot of seasons we've seen teams when they've had the European calendar just completely nosedive and just struggle because their squads are thin and stuff like weighing it up is it a good I guess thing? if if but being I, I guess it depends how much money they pour into the um, zero the conference league I suppose if, yeah if they if they if you get money for that in the same way that you do for the Champions League and you don't need the same amount of money that you would for the top seven to run the, the sort of lower clubs you don't need the 50, 100 odd million, you could do it on like 10, 20, 30, which could mm. be an awesome, a smaller amount that you get for entering that competition. So I think it sort of renews itself and it makes it sort of sustainable. Mm. It could also open some opportunities for those clubs that are sitting <coughs> around mid-table in those uh, in those leagues to That's kind of try to take that next step with that added income. Because you if, know you're not going to get seventh or you're not going to in the top six if yeah. you 14, but that sort of eight, nine, ten looks a lot more achievable. And, and and then you're you're playing teams in this conference league that are around your level as well. So yeah. who's to say you couldn't win that and you get qualification yeah. to the Europa League that way? And then you know you're gaining and growing yeah. from that as well. And that's I mean that's the whole appeal of the Europa League as well that you're not going to finish in like a Champions League spot, yeah. but if you win it, you can get in the Champions League. And that's a that's a big appeal of it. It's control C, control V. That's all it is really, isn't it? Just a bit lower down. Imagine like a Newcastle, who let's say they generally finish mid table or no lower than mid table, bottom half mid table. Like if you finish in fifteen fourteen, it's like okay, we're just there to sort of survive, and we've been in the Premier League two three years. If you know that, you know what? If we finish tenth, 
So let's say we're about three, like five to seven points off finishing 10th, and that guarantees your European football. That's just going to give you that added incentive. Then you know that we're going to get money in. We might be able to add to our squad. That means we could maybe finish ninth, eighth. You start. It seems more realistic to close the gap that way than to just sort of linger in 15th and be like, there's no way we can make eight, nine more positions. So I, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. If you're in 15th, isn't the kind of focus just avoiding like avoiding relegation? I know what you mean because you want to give a sense. Um, so you want to give um, what's the word? Um, targets for one of our words, incentivize, yeah. <clears throat> incentivize. Thank you. Um, the, the teams, say it as well. yeah, the teams in lower positions, like you want to, you want to give them incentives to move up the league, but I guess you know anywhere above sort of almost to 14th, 13th, and apart from the last two weeks of the season, it's kind of relegation <laughs> surviving, isn't it, in a way? Yeah, and I think I used Newcastle because they are a team that sort of fluctuate between sometimes 8th and 15th historically. So maybe mm. it's more teams that where they don't have a set position, they could be anywhere mm. from 15 so maybe so maybe yeah i know what you mean sort of 15 16 17 then below it's more relegation but teams that historically have floated in and out of europe maybe it gives them more of a focus and it might give them stability and less fluctuation with the reform is are they still going to have the drop down from like champ other sort of champions league teams that f- finished third and fourth in the group are they going to go to the europa league and yes i believe so yeah. what what do you guys think of that as a... It's with the level of... I don't know, it's weird, because with the level of Champions League teams at the moment, right, and Europa League teams at the moment, it, there's that meme that goes around around, like, towards the like the end of the Europa League every year, where it's like, oh, all the Europa League is in the dying stages is Sevilla. Uh, Sevilla. Um, <laughs> Sevilla, a third place... Uh, a, a third place Champions League team from a group of death and whichever Premier League team had a bad season that mm. before, the, the year yeah, before, before. And it's, yeah. and it's true though isn't it because I mean mm. I know Sevilla aren't in it right now but what it's probably going to be mm. Arsenal or Tottenham towards the, the latter stages with what Man United oh, I see yeah. who's a third place Champions League team and it's true so I, I don't really like it that much I, I much prefer the fourth place drop down kind of thing to the conference league. So, I mean, these these teams that are in the Champions League that finish fourth, uh, and they are from these less, you know, the, 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 these lower seeded, these lower rated coefficient teams. I, I think that'd be a good level for them to perform at competitively. So do you actually like the newly reformed Champions League, where it's just literally the cream of the crop and then sort of everyone else so you won't really have the third and the fourth place you'll basically focus on the top two almost of every group and put them in like a giant league like one big league I, th- I, th- I think it was something along the lines of if you finish third in the Champions League Europa League you go straight through to like a, the knockout stages of the Conference League or the Europa League right I think that's that's how it was I don't like what that to the fourth team the fourth team drops down to the, com- the conference. But the I third team goes directly to the conference knockouts. But they, don't, yes. they, they skip the Europa League. Yeah, the, the fourth place team would skip the Europa League. I mean, I, I understand why that would be appealing for, you know, your, your uh, Ruben Kazans or, or what, whoever, who sort of... Red Star, Belgrade. Yeah, Red Star, Belgrade, who get the Champions League, but just don't ever get out. And if they do, they're going Celtic straight down. But, but, it, but it's a bit like, crikey, if, if you were a, a, a bigger European, that would just be seen as a complete hassle. No disrespect. Like, you'd just be like, I don't want to travel to flipping Uzbekistan to play this <laughs> stupid conf- the tournament I don't even want to win. Like... I mean, I say this because the Europa League is often seen as a bit of a chore to a lot of... I'm not saying Especially that they're for... The early stages, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's not to say... Yeah, that it's like, just don't, don't finish fourth, then. Don't finish fourth in your group. No, I, get, I, take, I take your point, but often there's... Particularly with the way that the draw is done now, it, there's a lot of times there's, there's groups of death and, and 
Yeah, the groups of death are only generally three teams. Then you do have a fourth outsider that is definitely finishing fourth. Mm. Like you take take um, <clears throat> so for, for instance, like we, we was in a bit of a group of death the season we got to the final. I think we were in a group of Barcelona, Inter Milan, and PSV Eindhoven. I can tell you right now when that group was drawn, PSV Eindhoven is finishing fourth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not not disrespect to them, but it, it's quite obvious to see. So. In this, they would drop down to the Conference League, which they probably would probably be quite good in. To be honest, yeah, I mean, yeah, generally, both the Conference League are they not Europa League? Yeah, yeah, probably. That's not the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> it's it's tough, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you kind of want to go, well, okay, well, maybe you know, with these Olympiacos's and and PSVs and you know, whoever else, CSK, Moscow's, the teams that that just have so little chart maybe you know in one sense you kind of want to go well why don't we replace them with teams that do have the possibility but then you don't want to just shut football off to only because i mean we talked about this before i'm vehemently against making things easier for the best teams and harder for the for the lower teams um but you're right there is a sort of sense of like you're you're kind of wasting your time in the champions league psv or, or whoever it is like just just kind of Finish, finish second. Like, it's good they, they get there, but if they like, I, I think it's like then those teams if they qualify from the group stages, mm. they pay their entire wage bill with the money that they make off that. Because mm. I mean, they do have that incentive to try and drive for. Mm. It's just so difficult for them. I guess it's those are bragging rights to have won your division title, your league title. Yeah, yeah, and you never know. Like you can just get a, uh, like like uh, you know, Ajax could just have a. Bit or Monaco could build a really, just a good team one year, and then you can, you know, go quite far and possibly get to well, certainly semi-finals. Both arguably deserve to get to a final in the two years that they. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think that they deserve. <laughs> 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 Maybe Ooh. they just weren't good enough, and a certain pucky young Brazilian decided that they uh, yeah they should go no further. Do you think that they sort of UEFA should be instead of looking to not lower the standard of the European competitions, but almost trying to increase the standard of domestic leagues. Or well, I guess that's probably... I think that's what they're doing, So, in a sense. So you get these, so, say like these these leagues that have one Champions League spot, or one Europa League spot. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 it's very often that there's one team that dominates that league and, and that one team is always finishing in that Champions League spot, that Europa League spot. So if you offer them a second, like Bayern Munich, I was thinking more like um, like Belgrade. Yeah. Well, Celtic. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but like Belgrade. So if you if you give the the, the the second best team there a little bit more financial incentive, and then you give the teams under that a little bit more incentive to get up there, give them something to play for, the standard of the league should improve. So is that what you could argue is coming about with yeah. with this Europa, European Conference yeah. League? Yeah, I, I tell you, that's a good point. I, I, that's that's probably true, actually. And and that's um, I think that's why they're focusing it more on the the, the lower rated European leagues. But what's this other bit of reform that's that's supposed to be ch- changing the Champions League about then? What's... Yes, this this is a weird one. So it's all up in all up in the air still. It's all be, still being debated, but. That they're on about it. <laughs> they bring all this in, and they're like they're trying to like, trim everything off, and everything's nice and neat, and they're all thirty-two, and it's all brilliant, right? Or, or whatever it is, right? And then they're like, actually, more Champions League teams. <laughs> That's what we want. And then, um, so I think I think they're offering like another eight, six or eight teams in the Champions League. That's what. They're, is this, that's what oh, is this the thing where it'd be like five in a group or something? I'm, I'm not sure if that's that. Or if there's just be another group. I think it was like the someone who part of the um, board of directors of Juventus or something. Was, I think it was almost like a super league. So it's like the yeah. best of the best in Europe basically compete in like a in a giant league. And I think some of the places could be um, allocated to teams that historically and maybe come to down to see yeah. high seeding with historical value if they've been in this Champions League like yeah. quite recently or before that. it's like a How crazy that. 
Super League of like the best teams competing. Yeah, that's what I thought the Super League is like. But the, the reforms that they're trying to take into actually a Champions League, like a knockout tournament, yeah. is some of that. Where it's like there's arguments over how these new places are going to be distributed. So it's thought that France will get a fourth one. That's pretty much set in stone to bring them up with the other top five leagues. Yeah. And then everyone else is punching each other for the rest. So Barcelona are like, we want guaranteed Champions League every season because <laughs> mm. we're Barcelona. You know, historically, we, we've been fantastic. We are a massive club. Mm. So we want champion, We want guaranteed Champions League. And that's, that, that's where all these arguments come from. Will be the, I think it will be the death, slow death of football if, if there's ever a guaranteed Champions League place to any team. That just it's, epitomizes it's, it's like Barcelona, Liverpool. I, I know, I know that they have. Like, I know Barcelona and Real Madrid have qualified for every Champions League in the last what twenty years or something. But it's like just the fact that that the possibility of not could be taken away from them would would just be the just no. That would it would, would be it's, a, as I say, the it's not one of those things that UEFA is like trying to fight that hard against either because. They want those big teams in the Champions League. They want Barcelona. Yeah, this, want this, is, this is why it's they so important to guard against it, I think. Yeah. yeah, you have to try and just like fight against. This is why I, this is why I get quite animated about it because you just think every time you you get this indication that the football is going the way of American sports and and commercializing things and making it easier for the rich people to. It's just no, stay away from that as much as you can because you're right. The powers that be that want the powers that be kind of want it but can't admit it. The biggest clubs kind of want it but can't admit it. But the fans don't. The fans don't. So it, you need to sort of just keep battling against it because otherwise, it, you know, once Very all much. these things sneak yeah. in, well, we're huge. How do we stay huge? Kind of thing. It's 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 awful. It's, it's yeah, and, it's and it makes villainy. as as you said, with you look at things from a business perspective, self, and it makes sense why these clubs want to do it, but like we have to sort of remember that yeah okay a lot of people's livelihoods depend on these things but at the same time it you know for i almost think you have a responsibility to the sport in a way like you can you can you know you can absolutely maximize everything for for, for yourself but then it's like what we have laws against monopolies in the real world in business you know you can't just have a monopoly on everything in that product and kill off all the small businesses there are laws against that so i think it should be the same for football you can't just have brings us back to the Bayern Munich conversation you know um shouldn't just be able to just dominate and become big and let everyone else be small it's just bad for everybody apart from the team that's getting rich and then even then eventually it's even bad for them yeah 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 just not financially (laughs) It's, it's mad. It's like how did, like there was talk of having the um, Champions League final outside of Europe. Oh, that just... Like, that. I mean, normally I'm very open to everything, so, like financially, commercially, I understand it, right? That yeah. was the biggest sham of anything. <laughs> I, I've, I don't really get angry about stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I was like, wait, it's the European Cup, right? Yeah. Back in the day, the European Cup. You are, why would you hold the final of the European Cup outside of Europe? So I think it's just that's a, like that's like hosting the World Cup on fucking Mars, <laughs> which they probably will if we do colonize Mars in today's life. But I think uh, how cool would yeah. that be though? Well, I'll be psyched for that. Imagine how much money they'd make. I love how they do sort of that in the off season. So in sort of like friendlies, like they go on like an American. So I think that's incredible. Yeah, that's fine. That's, that's commercially sound. It's, it's, yeah. it's a good idea. But I think just to have it outside, I think it's just, because I know that like the NFL obviously has the Super Bowl in England, but it's, and it's sort of cool because you're expanding sort of the audience, but it's like, how much better so for like the fans who live in Europe just to be able to go and it's so much less like cost effective and it's just cost so much more. And I don't know. It's just, again, it's like we're talking about, it's just making it a franchise. He's getting a bigger audience, getting America involved. And that just raises the price of everything and gets so much money. Just imagine though, right? So, 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 so for instance, you've got like a Liverpool Barcelona, right? Champions League final, hosted in like in Seattle or something. And you've got 80,000 Americans there. Right, going defense. Um, yeah. Defense. Yeah. How bad would that be to watch? Oh. I wonder if they'll allot certain amounts of tickets for the footballing fans, so either Liverpool, Barcelona fans. Yeah, have. but even even like like Baku when you guys was playing each other, mm. barely any tickets were given to us. Mm. 
barely any tickets for the the, the Tottenham Liverpool final were given to actual fans. Really? Yeah. It, yeah. So it, it does get a bit of a like the, it's sort of the corporate nature of particularly yeah. the Champions League final when yeah you're right it's like fifty percent is is given to just friends of of people who know people rather than fans and and I think we've touched upon it here like. You, and I, I know I'm a bit of a football purist at times, but like you, you, I think it's so important to remember that, that, that this game is nothing without fans. And I know there are fans in America who blah, 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 but that's not yeah. like there is a connection that teams have with their, you know, you can do you can do all those preseason stuff and, and, and promote yourselves and do whatever you want to, to, you know, advertise. But Ultimately, the thing that's made this sport so so big is the structure that's been put in place with all this kind of domestic stuff and the European competitions and all this kind of structures. And if you, you move away from that for the sake of money, you're just gonna you're just gonna make things worse. Like like you you know, you don't want to turn fans away. That you know, like football's football's still fun, but how much, how crap is it with no fans in the stadiums with COVID, man? It's really like not nearly as fun, like with all the fans. Hard to remember, to be honest. I know you you watch like yeah, yeah. you watch like old like clips and stuff, but it doesn't show you like the, the little things, the the ooze when the ball's going yeah, out, it's or, like, or like to be taken. Yeah, it's a yeah. Or goal goal kicks about to happen, and they're like whistling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, obviously, you see the video clips of like the cheering and. Yeah. The, uh, and stuff like that. It was the Wilsons that it's, it's weird. It's weird. I'm thinking, how cool would it be though to actually host <laughs> like the Champions League final in America? And like, may, or maybe it's something like every four years, it's in a non-European. I, I don't know. No, piss off, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> European Cup. I'm being tempted. By like, the I, I know. I know. It sort of feels like there's a part of me that kind of goes like, who, who are we to say that? that only English fans get to watch yeah. English teams. But at the same time, like, that's the whole point. If you're a fan, you come here. You don't expect us to go to you. Like, we, we, we're not, it's not snobbery against England. It's like, this is an English team. You can't take us away and go somewhere else. Like, you have to be, like, you know, loyal to the fan base that has stayed loyal to you. And, like, granted, like, I know the NFL does come here, but I think, you know, or... It's it be, yeah. It's like you know you I don't know you go and see a. It just it's I think it's 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 self <coughs> selfish. It's sort of like entitlement to be like well, why 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 shouldn't you should come to me? No, you if you want if you want to watch something and you're passionate enough about it, then you 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 pay the money if you don't live there. You don't have some entitlement that well like, Europeans deserve this and and we don't. That doesn't make any sense. We're just it'll it'll get to a place where actual fans of actual football teams can't go to big games because yeah. they can't they can't choose they can't change the little games because of home advantage and stuff Lord, like that. Raise the price but, where they, the the local fans who've supported for fifty years have been priced out to the point. Yeah, it's priced all, out. It's or just, or just if it's been moved because only the big matches can be moved. Oh, only the big matches can be moved to places like America and stuff like that. Like a Champions League final. Oh, not if not if La Liga had their way a couple of years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Tried to move the last game of the season to... Spe- when to do you guys America. think the shift happened? So we're saying that football's now a business. It's no longer a sport, no longer about the fans. When do you think that shift was made where it stopped being about this purist, about football and about the fans, about the support? I mean... I don't know. I mean, there's an argument to say when the Prem started. <laughs> well, I'd say I'd say two. I'd say there's an argument to say when the Prem started. There's probably another argument to say in the kind of height of the Galacticus era when it was all about marketability and 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 famous players. Like because that was essentially like a globe a Har, a Har, um, Harlem Globetrotter kind of thing for yeah, yeah. for Perez, wasn't it? He he wanted like you know commercial commercial ability for his for Real Madrid as much as he wanted. Trophies and whatever. Um, I and think then, it's just it's I just mean, a natural progression, isn't it? Yeah, and then, and then I guess maybe just that with the height of the internet, we have more access to so much American stuff that we see the way they do sport, and it kind of wants to go there. We're increasingly owned by American business businesses and business say. owners. It and makes stuff. sense when it's when the, the sort of genesis of mm. business owners buying football clubs, yeah. Because they need mm. to make it commercialised, so it, yeah, like, yeah, it's, mm. uh, like even even Leeds United are part owned by yeah. like an NFL team. 
I mean, Christ, Re- Wrexham are owned by flipping actors. Like, this is what the American yeah. actors, this is where it's got to. Is that Ryan Reynolds? Ryan Reynolds and what's his yeah. name? The, the, other, the other guy who kind of looks Very a bit like Ryan Reynolds. Philadelphia, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I just, like, probably it will, it will increasingly creep that way and creep that way and creep that way, but... Do you think it, it could flip where now, you know, you see a lot of fan TV, you see a lot of fan media. Do you think they'll get to a point where maybe fans start to buy into, have to buy into their clubs in order to almost get their power back? Or do you think it's a case of... That's, not that's what Germany do, don't they? Germany are owned by members. They're not owned by... Well, they can only ever be owned 49% by yeah. like businesses mm. and companies. The rest is owned by like members of, of the actual team. Is that the only way to get power back? So, I mean, looking at like Arsenal, Chelsea, like a lot of Premier League teams now, they, they're all a business. What way would you say that fans can get the power back and get their football back as well and their football team? If any, they probably can't. Or, or maybe, I mean, like with Germany, maybe, maybe, maybe it will have to be legislative, you know, like mm. we'll have to have have to have some laws that come in, like one, like the ownerships thing with Germany. I mean, fans yeah. have been trying to campaign for a long time to bring ticket prices down mm. and like they're trying to sort of put caps on it and stuff. And, and again, maybe just with that sort of stuff and and you sort of think it's like they, they've, they've brought in things like financial fair play. Uh, other things like salary caps have been thought about. They, other leagues have have rules on how many foreign players you can have and stuff like that. So these things do exist. Maybe it will just take something like that—a big kind of campaign, grassroots campaign from from the kind of bedrock of of fans. To, to but yeah, I think it'll have to be legislative because you won't you won't convince you know business <laughs> business owners multi billionaires. Yeah, they're not. They won't <laughs> do it unless they're forced. You go, so that's why a lot of like fans boycott going to games, they don't buy the merchandise anymore because they know that the only way to make change is to get business owners. Yeah, but those 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 fans are boycotting games that are sold out in the yeah. Premier League. If 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 those fans boycott the games, they can quickly sell the tickets to people who aren't. And it's like their sacrifice was worth nothing. Mm. Like just, just because of this capitalist machine that keeps grinding out and away at football until it's Nothing but a cash cow. Done, they've done well, I think, to guard against it because it is the biggest sport in the world. And actually, cricket's the biggest sport in the world. Are you talking about in terms of number of people that watch? Yeah, but that's just <laughs> piss off with India because that's just not fair. Um, but football is the biggest in the world in almost every metric that you that you want to. Uh, for viewing, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and and come on, cricket. Like, look, I don't actually hate cricket. Like a lot of people do, cricket sucks. Yeah. I enjoy cricket. <laughs> I, I think it's alright. Look, I'm not anti cricket, but like we're talking about. Fo- this is a football podcast. Cricket sucks, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it, I think it's I think it's generally done pretty well considering all the all the talk that goes on and and the fact that the flipping governing bodies are corrupt that when you go above the domestic governing body you know FIFA UEFA not got a good record um I think it's done all right to stay as kind of you know fairly pure as it is but yeah it'll keep creeping there unless we put rules in to stop it do you think the financial mentality from the top i.e from the owners has trickled down towards the players to the fact where they're more looking just to earn a paycheck than to actually sort of well, I, I think that's more on the agents, really, isn't it? That's that's a push from the agents. Mm. So you got Mino Raiola, basically the first super agent who who really pushes for stuff like that. I know, um, is it George George Mendes, George who's, Mendes. who's um, a lot of the Wolves players agent? I know when we bought Matt Doherty for sixteen million, I seen it reported today that um, six million of that went to Mendes. <laughs> Six million of the sixteen million we paid went to Mendes. So it's, it, it, I, I think that's that that just stems from corporate greed. You get all these lawyers and these these barristers who who are very intelligent people. They've they've seen a market in football and and representing players, and they just jumped on it and thought, well, mm. I can get a lot of money here. These yeah. these players aren't too bright in terms of business, but they're oh God, they're talented. Yeah, it, it these does people feel... are paying a lot of money from. Sort of yeah, like I I keep seeing um, 
uh, Minareola interviewed uh, or or just you know you know he was he phoned to talk sport once or something and he's always so bad at defense like you'd think that someone with that amount of money and probably the intelligence that he has he would be able to sort of really put across why no no agents are important and blah blah, blah. but literally the first time it, it people go at him and say like i think you know i think you're a leech mate i think you're a leech <laughs> and i think you, your job is horrible and you're a greedy bastard he flips out and he can't, <laughs> he can't do anything about it and he hangs up and he leaves interviews and it's like you're not doing yourself any favors bro you know it's, I, it, it, they're a necessary evil as well because if they weren't there, the, the the teams that are biting these players will be equally as evil and take advantage yeah. of the players anyway. <clears throat> so maybe we just need to have a go back to the old system where football footballers had agents, but they were just their mates, you know, like, or their parents, yeah. or their parents, yeah, yeah. But then the parents both, I guess, can take advantage as well. But but le- yeah, maybe, maybe yeah, this is it. You just need to have. I mean, it didn't De Bruyne um doesn't De Bruyne not have an agent and you has represented himself during his talks with City. Like when Is that right? That, yeah. Brian's a very intelligent person. <laughs> I wonder if that'll become a mainstay so in the future whether players just represent themselves as a way to get rid of the middleman of an agent or like you said, these lawyers and barristers who <laughs> and take their own so like, agent fees. Yeah, and well not have to have any agent fees whatsoever. It'd be so hard for the young youngsters though, who won't have a clue what they're doing, and probably have. Yeah, you, you get like a, a nineteen year old lad there, and they're like, "Well, we're going to pay you a thousand pounds a week." How does that yeah, sound? I mean, what suckers on that? Thursday. That's good, isn't it? And it's like bus <laughs> tracks. What was that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a lot of them are aware of looking at a team. Like imagining like the youth England squads, the players that are really shining for their teams. They're like, well, "I'm on this certain amount." So they're going to know that a low wage isn't something that they have to take. They're going to be educated through other people. I don't think. But, but they wouldn't. Play. They wouldn't. They might necess- They might know their value. Let's say, but they wouldn't be able. That like they they would be able to be, like they not be naive. Let's say and be able to be bullied by clubs who don't want to don't want to pay them what they're worth. Or I don't don't forget like you, football players are brilliant <clears throat> football players, but they aren't businessmen. If you if you have a a group of businessmen sat across you at a table telling you to take a contract. You're like, yeah, it's a really good contract. But these experienced businessmen whose con- contract negotiation is their job, right? And you get like some 19-year-old kid. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to pay him less than he's worth. I think that's what I mean. Unless he has an agent. Looking at plays like De Bruyne, I think, I'm not saying now in this generation, but maybe in the future, there might be plays who become more educated and some yeah. might have business as a as an A-level or as a degree on the side. So they'll sort of slowly start to get into the know of what's an acceptable wage contract and what's not. So, yeah, you're definitely right. Not now. I don't think there isn't the education. But maybe, I don't know, if, like future generations might be able to represent themselves and represent themselves well because of that sort of De Bruyne trailblazer or... Well, I, I imagine it all, it all, it all fall upon like how they morally stand with agents and stuff, because, I mean, it just, it's just easier to get an agent, isn't it? You're a good football player. You have agents coming to your door, and that they, they do other things as well as that. Would you guys want sort of these super agents representing you? Yeah. You... I mean, I'm not being funny. If I'm there to make money... Mm, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't... I don't know. Because like, I, 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 on, on the one hand... You sort of think like, yeah, obviously they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they 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 get all the, but then I've heard lots of stories about clubs kind of going, we, like the fact that he has this agent means that there's very little chance we're going to deal with him. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, like um, Rayola with Pep, uh, is it? And uh, yeah. and like I just think if you let's say, let's say you're Harland for example, who's got Rayola, hasn't he? Mm, yeah, it does. yeah. You think do you need do you need the world's best agent to get you a, a transfer to to Real Madrid or Man City? Do mm. you really need them? Okay, sure, you might get like an extra. I don't know. But that, that, who, if, even if your agent is your flipping little brother, that they, to him, he's not going to Harlem. The extra money's going to to Raiola. But that, but that's what I mean. So, so yeah. do do you not as Harlan kind of go? What's well, it? I'm. I don't need. Why do I need this guy? He, he he's just he's getting money off me. But whether I represent myself or he represents me, Man City is still going to pay me three hundred grand yeah. a week. They're still going to pay Dortmund one hundred fifty million. Like, I, I never. That's why I always. I, I I sort of understand. Like, if you're an up and coming player or perhaps a player who's sort of not quite at the top level, you'd want Raiola. But I, I really don't get why all these kind of like. 
super players have super agents. It's like you- that's it. I feel like a super agent isn't looking to get the best deal <clears throat> for the client. They're looking to get the best deal for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. No one. No one seems to win except like it's like the club has to pay over the odds. Like the you know, and possibly the player gets the move, but they're still you know paying these agent massive agent fees. It is just the agent who seems to win every time. Like you said, Ash, six six mil out of sixty mil went to an eight. Like what? That so is, that's that almost is. that's almost half of it. <clears throat> and, and of course, that that encourages. That's the way that the the deal is. Then it obviously encourages the agents to. Oh, you know, encourage you. Go on, mate. You you want to transfer, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm treating you right. Yeah, exactly. You want to settle the players as well. Because why but wouldn't the, you? If you're getting that, six that's, million, that's the other thing though. Goes to Tottenham. Where where your manager has a an agent as well, like George Mendes is Jose yeah, Mourinho's yeah. agent as well. So is he want to? Is he going to want to upset Jose Mourinho who brings him him in a lot of money by unsettling Jose's players? So it kind of works like that as well. The only thing though with agent is that if let's say you're on playing football manager and there's a player that won't join or won't want to join and then you, <laughs> you can offer his age, you know, just I've got a 250 million transfer budget, I'll give the agent a couple of million and then he'll convince his player he wants to come. So there's there's a downside. No, you yeah. want to play for Chelsea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us this week. Feel free to give us a follow on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Both uh, accounts at Edge of the Box Pod. And we'll see you again next week. Cheerio. Bye bye.